0: Today on the ZadeCast, the NFL has tried to bury the Jameis Winston suspension story in the desert of the dead of summer. Nice try, Roger. Did you think we weren't going to talk about it? I'd pick up Andy Pollan to sit in my car with me for 30 minutes outside a grocery store, which sounds kind of weird, but trust me, we'll talk sports. All that plus drone on drone on drone warfare? Give me your precious 45 minutes and I will not disappoint So everybody buckle up, and let's go! (laughs) Here we go! Friday, June 29th, 2018. Thank you for downloading. Let's get right to it. So, Jameis Winston has spoken. And by Jameis has spoken... He has spoken through a statement, and the statement that Jameis Winston has released in the wake of the NFL's, mm, let's lick our fingers and put it up to the wind, three-game suspension that they have officially announced for one Jameis Winston, the crab leg kid, the fuck him right in the pussy kid, the Jameis the rapist Winston story, the three-game suspension for good old Jameis just basically comes out of thin air. It's sort of like the league going, yeah, well, you know, we've been making up all these suspensions the whole time. Have you people not noticed that? And because of that, uh, three is about right. And then we'll let Jameis sort of admit to something, but not everything, and then, well, yeah. I was wondering how this was going to go, and now that I see it, I just laugh and say, well, of course. Of course there is weaselly, lawyer-like language, such as, Winston saying, I apologize for the situation I put you in to this young woman, Kate, the Uber driver. First and foremost, I would like to say I'm sorry to the Uber driver for the position I put you in. What? What? What in the fuck does that mean? Exactly. Uh, The position I was in was just trying to make a few bucks driving assholes like you around in my own vehicle it's called being an Uber driver you didn't put me in that position I put me in that position I'm sorry to the Uber driver for the position I put you in this is by the way what the hell did yeah. you just say and this is the real doozy it is uncharacteristic of me and I genuinely apologize ho 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 Woo! Is that a howler? Oh no, it's not uncharacteristic of you, Jameis. It is pure characteristic of you. It is pure Jameis Winston. It is exactly what you have been for most of your young adult life. He then goes on to say that, well, in the past two and a half years, my life has been filled with experiences opportunities, and events that have helped me grow. Blah, 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 blah. Word salad, who cares? And to mature and learn, including the fact that I have eliminated alcohol from my life. Oh, oh, I get it. It wasn't you that grabbed her by the pussy. It was the alcohol that made you do it. Really? All right, then. It's funny, because I drink alcohol, I wouldn't say a lot. My wife may disagree, but I I use alcohol. I drink alcohol. I get mildly drunk to moderately drunk on a fairly regular basis. And I have never once grabbed somebody that I don't know where it's inappropriate to grab them. Not once. In fact, uh, the times that I have been drunk in an Uber, which is most of the time because you're not driving. If, if you weren't going to drink, you wouldn't take an Uber, right? Unless you're on a business trip some other city. Every time I've been drunk in an Uber, the most I've ever done is just sat there and said, oh, I am so going to get a cheeseburger when I get back to the hotel. And I'm going to make love to that cheeseburger. That's all I thought. Or maybe, oh, man, I can't wait to Skype my wife when I get home. Or, oh, I can't wait to go to Channel Ocho. Forty-seven or not Ocho forty-seven. What was the channel? There was a porn channel in in Mexico with Bob and Brian. Something forty-eight something Ocho. I never once thought, hey, you know what? I'm drunk. Let me just go ahead and try to get away with this. Just try to grab somebody there. But that's what Jameis does. That's who Jameis is. Jameis Winston is a bag of shit. There. <sighs> Somebody finally said it, saying it in a forum where I can say it, a podcast. Let's just call a bag of shit a bag of shit and be done with it, okay? And while we're at it, let's call the NFL what they are, an overpaid den of cowards and phonies. Oh, we're going to get tough on domestic violence and sexual assault. Mm, right. No, no, NFL, you're going to make it up as you go along. You're going to hire investigators whose opinions you then ignore. You're going to pay millions to hire junk science labs to deliver hilariously tortured scientific fantasies that are quickly and thoroughly debunked by actual scientists. You're going to confiscate personal cell phones and then say, hey, whoa, wait a minute, he's not cooperating. You're going to pick teams that you think have been agitators to the shield and punish them to the full extent that you possibly can. See Cowboys, see Patriots. And then for other teams like Tampa, well, what have they ever done to us? They're kind of irrelevant. Let's sweep it under the rug. That's who both entities are here. Winston, bag of shit. NFL, den of cowards and phonies. Overpaid to the hilt. Who would have thunk it? A bad guy turned out to be a bad guy. Thank God I said I wouldn't touch Jameis Winston with a with a 20-foot pole when he was coming out of FSU. They're like, oh, who do you like, Winston or Mariota? I go, eh, wouldn't touch Jameis. Not worth it. Too much risk. Too iffy his background. It's partly why I wouldn't have touched Baker Mayfield. Now, don't say don't say that I'm equating Baker Mayfield and Jameis Winston. Obviously, I'm not. I'm just saying sizing up whether a certain guy has it to play quarterback in the NFL. And it's more than just playing quarterback. You have to have it, you know, the right stuff. You have to have it to be the face of the franchise. You have to have it to stay calm in the midst of a three, four, five-game losing streak when you are being asked questions every single week after the game, during the week, before the game. You have to be the steadying, calming face of the franchise. The quarterback is the second coach, in essence, of the team. Except he's more powerful than the coach because quarterback contracts are almost always greater than coach contracts. And teams will stick with a quarterback far longer and through more thin than thick to see it through on a quarterback. Which it looks like the Buccaneers are going to do here. Which brings us to the next big question here. Why aren't the Bucs just saying, you know what, we're going to cut them and move on? Well, because they think he can be a franchise quarterback and they think this will die down and they think they can kind of massage this and they think that he's going to grow and mature and this might be the last incident of this nature. And you know what? They they might be right. They might be. There is a bit of a precedent for this in terms of Big Ben Roethlisberger who had a similar kind of moment in his life and career where people had to say, what the fuck is wrong with you, man? Actually, that incident with the girl in Georgia... And then the previous incident in Tahoe uh, with the hotel worker. So, okay. So, what are the Buccaneers doing? Well, they're going to stick with him. Because they're like, gosh, we've invested a first-round pick. We've paid him $24 million on his rookie contract. Which, by the way, is not that much compared to what he's going to have to get paid coming up. What the Buccaneers now have is a $100 million problem. Jameis is going into his fourth year in the NFL, and as a first-round pick, the team has a fifth-year option that they can either pick up or decline. If they pick up his fifth-year option, his cap number next year is $20 million. That's his base salary, $20 million. The guaranteed money for Jameis Winston is running out this year. So, in other words, the the guarantee of 24, which was a signing bonus of 16, and then salaries of, I believe, 8, as I looked at it on SpotTrack.com, That runs out after this year. So, do you still want to be in the Jameis Winston business? Obviously, the Buccaneers say they do because they could have just cut him. They could have just said, you know what? Uh, We're not going to, we can't deal with this. Which, by the way, is exactly what they should have done. They should have invoked the Ace Rothstein rule from the great movie Casino and the great scene in which. Casino magnate and mobster Ace Rothstein basically rebuffs the county commissioner begging for his brother-in-law to keep his job despite either being incompetent or in on a heist of a jackpot at a slot machine. This sequence is very instructive, I think. Let's go ahead and take a listen to this great moment in uh, movie history.
1: And if you think about our little problem along them lines...
0: And you forgive
2: me for saying it. Maybe he did not deserve to be fired. I'm sorry, but he knew about I getting hit on three big machines in a row and he did nothing about it. That means either he was in on it or, forgive me for saying this, he was too dumb to see what was going on. Either way, I cannot have a man like that working here. Before we point the dirty end of the stick at old Don, uh,
1: we better be sure we can prove them charges. Believe me, if I could prove it, he would be
2: under arrest.
1: Our, uh... Are we certain that you want the game and control board eyeballing your record and your
2: gangster pals like Nicky Santoro? I think you're way out of line talking to me like that. What you're saying is libelous. And you're in no position to challenge my expertise. I went way out of my way to be very helpful and courteous to that kid. He's weak, he's incompetent, he jeopardizes the whole place. There's not much more I can do for him.
1: (laughs) You have got me there. (laughs) Old Don is as useless as tits on a boar. (laughs) but he is my brother-in-law, and I would look on it as a personal favor if you think some more on hiring him back.
2: I can't do that. Can't do that. And I appreciate the fact that he's your brother-in-law, and I do want to help you, and I like to do favors, and I know who you are, but I cannot do that.
1: Well, could there be any position
2: (laughs) farther down the trough? I'm sorry, I can't do anything. He's too incompetent. And the bottom line is he cannot be trusted.
0: Boom. And that's it right there. There is so many parallels to the Winston thing. Where, you know, people are now going to say, Well, okay, we're going to move him down the troth and that whatever new deal he might get after this fourth year runs out, whether we pick up the option or not, we're going to make him keep proof we're going to have a shorter deal, less money. Because we're still bargaining with ourselves. What Ace Rothstein realized there, I mean, first of all, he's got a county commissioner, basically, you know, starting in with the hey, you know what, we're pretty powerful out here, we get votes, money, votes. It's important to me, important to you. Let's not rock the boat here. And then Ace is like, no, I can't. Like either he was in on it or he can't be trusted. That the line he he jeopardizes the whole operation. That. Right there. That's it to me. Just tits on a boar. <laughs> <laughs> that would be where people go. <laughs> I tell you what, that Jameis is a real clown show. Licking his fingers, stealing crab legs. <laughs> you got me there. He is a real weirdo. You like that.
2: What you're saying is libelous. And you're in no position to challenge my expertise. I went way out of my way to be very helpful and courteous to that kid.
0: Yeah, Lovey Smith went way out of his way to cover for Jameis Winston to say, oh, no, he's learned. This This young man is going to be a leader. He's got it, blah, blah, blah. He's
2: weak. He's incompetent. He jeopardizes the whole
0: place. There's not yeah more I can do for him. <laughs> yeah, that's it. He jeopardizes the whole place. Jameis Winston is jeopardizing the entire team. If the Buccaneers were smart, they would have cut him. Yes, they would have cut him and said, we're going to have a bad season, most likely. I mean, we're going to try, obviously, but, you know, old Stu Beard uh, Fitzpatrick is going to be our guy. Uh, Who knows how bad we're going to be. Hell, we might end up with the first pick in the draft next year and get to pick a quarterback who's not a probable college rapist and not a complete blithering idiot. And we're going to start over and get moving down the road here. Because at some point, you have to just... Do the hard thing. You have to make the hard decision. Ace Rothstein did the hard thing, and he did it with the most dispassionate eyes, like, you know what? No. Can't have it. Can't trust him. Can't have it. Not going to do it. Sorry. You can threaten me. You can beg me. You can talk about how this is all in our best interest, and let's keep the money flowing here. No. Can't do it. Everything with this guy, Jameis Winston, everything is half. Remember this? He gets first of all he gets three games instead of six. Remember when he got suspended for a half after the standing up at the cafeteria table shouting "fucker right in the pussy," which was an internet meme at the time. The school then got involved and said, "No, no, no, that's going to be a full game suspension." Still not getting it. Who came out in full uniform and full gear and warmed up and then got upset, thinking he was going to play, Jameis Winston. Jimbo Fisher had to then send it back in the locker room like, get the fuck out of your your game wear, your helmet, and your pads. You're not playing tonight. What part of that didn't you get? Jameis' whole life has been basically doing dumb shit and suffering little or no consequence for it. And then having adults and other people make excuses for it. Jimbo Fisher was the first to really do this enabling talking about he's a great leader and he stuck by him the whole time because hell Jimbo Fisher wanted to win a national championship which he did he wanted to get the big money which he did at Texas A and M he's gone down the road of course he was going to stick by J- Jameis Winston and Lovey Smith when they drafted him one one he wanted to stay a head coach in the NFL he wasn't going to say what needed to be said about Jameis Winston. He was desperately trying to hang on to being a head coach, which he's not anymore, and he will never, pr- most likely, not be a head coach yet again. Good luck, Tampa. I'm sure you'll handle this super. All right, buried in the wash a few weeks ago was a story by Dave McKenna in Deadspin about the Redskins' mythical season ticket waiting list, which at one point was probably real and probably as much as forty to 50,000 people tops. After that, however, boy, oh boy, did it grow a life of its own. And it was a mythical, fantastic life that only bared the slightest resemblance to the actual truth. It's why I said to Andy Polin this week, I go, we got to spend some time on this. And that's why he joined uh, He joined me in a car outside a parking lot to talk about it. We are in the parking lot today. <laughs> another day, another parking lot with Andy Polin. What is this? The Safeway... In on on River Road in lovely
3: Bethesda. No, 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 no. This is the Potomac. high rent district, it's Potomac, po- right? The real Potomac, the real, not North Potomac, no. which is a fake Rockville. Right. This is real Potomac, Maryland. Potomac Place Shopping Center. Okay. Stroh Snyder's is here. Starbucks, of course. Safeway. It's nice. For those who are in the uh, DC area,
0: this would be like the Great Falls of Maryland. Yeah. We have a similar thing like this. Exactly. Called Great Falls. And it's on a skinny little road that doesn't take a lot of traffic, doesn't really go anywhere, mm-hmm. and it's where the rich people live. Like, if, if you're looking at a map of Virginia, for all my listeners not in the D.C. market, you take go right to the needle of the Washington Monument, follow the river out west, mm-hmm. Potomac River, and all along each side of the river, just outside the Beltway, Money, money, money. Yes, sir. That, that, this is the Hollywood Riviera, right, yeah. of the D.C. area, the Potomac, uh, Potomac side in Maryland and the Great Falls side yeah. in Virginia.
3: I think he still lives here. John Feinstein is a Potomac or was a Potomac resident.
0: There's bigger, famous, richer people than Feinstein, Andy. But for the purposes of this podcast, I thought that okay. would be a relatable it's a relatable person. thing, okay. Yeah. Um, didn't Mike Tyson have a house yes. on Congressional, which yeah. is here on the Potomac yeah. side?
3: He, he was married to Michael Steele's sister. Do you know that? Michael Steele being the former Maryland governor? Lieutenant to, governor.
0: Lieutenant governor who was part of the Republican Party yeah. and is
3: now no longer in the... Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. yeah, yeah. And, uh, and Michael then, Steele's sister? Yeah, and then he, he spent some time in Rockville Jail because he was in a car once that was rear-ended and I don't know all the details, but there was some type of physical Oh, that's right. Alter- that's
0: right. Because yeah. right, somebody accidentally rear-ended Mike yeah. Tyson.
3: Can you, imagine, Holy shit. can you imagine rear-ending the car? By accident. And seeing who's getting out of the car? I'm going to stop your face. Oh, my God. I punch your face out. Oh, man. Wow.
0: Okay. So here we are. Nice, uh, nice area. Uh, by the way, some of the houses... Yeah. They're building on River Road. Yeah. I'm going to take a photo and include it here. But it, I was like, holy shit, look at the size of that thing. And it's on significant acreage. Yeah. Oh, oh they,
3: what they've torn down is a place you couldn't imagine <laughs> living in. <laughs> exactly.
0: Okay, so here we are. And I told Andy, I said, we need to clear out a half an hour on a one-topic podcast. And the topic today is the death of the Redskins' <laughs> mythical and legendary, and ultimately phony as a $3 bill, season ticket waiting list. This news happened somewhere between our sit-downs, and we never got yeah. to talk about it. And it is, it's remarkable on a number of levels. Let me just shut up and say, what's your first reaction to this?
3: Well, there's a new guy who's in charge of the business with the Redskins. Right. You have his name there? its I'll uh, find it, yeah. yes. Okay. And it's it's almost it reminded me the the press conference that he had reminded me of the first Jay Gruden news conference where Gruden came in and said, oh, no, Robert Griffin's not a pocket passer. We would be foolish to try and turn him into a pocket passer. And then the front office worked them over for a couple of days and so by the time Peter King called a couple of days later, Oh yeah, well if you're gonna play in the NFL you gotta be a pocket passer. So we're gonna turn Robert into a pocket passer. <laughs> so this new guy who's running the business right. looks at things and goes, No, there's no waiting list, but I'm I'm projecting that whoever this guy is is only gonna last a year because he speaks really? the truth. He he had a good job in the front office of the NFL and he I came. did
0: talk to Lovey about this. Yeah. And Lovey's reaction, now that I remember it, is he said... Because he went to the sit-down yeah. with the Redskins' new VP of Business Ops, Brian something. Yeah. And and I said, what was your reaction when you sat there and listened to him say, there is no waiting list, come on, come on, come, on, come all, mm-hmm. buy tickets. Lovey's reaction was... Oh, you poor fella.
3: Yeah. <laughs> he goes, exactly. He yeah. goes,
0: "Oh, oh yeah. mister." He said, "Poor mister, wait till you see what you look like in
3: 3 years." I don't think he's going to last 3 years. I think at the end of the year the Allen regime will have forced him out, and anybody who wants to do things in what seems to be a sensible way doesn't last with this organization. And I I I looked at this and I said, "Well, First of all, anybody with a brain has known that there hasn't been a season ticket waiting list probably since the early years of FedEx Field. Um, the, uh, the, The wide areas where there are no people in the stands um the the ability to buy tickets how about the time maybe it was one of the Zorn years where people were showing up with standing room only tickets and they were exchanging club seats for them just to get in. Uh, that was more recently
0: than Zorn was it okay yeah and and the word got out and I think Steinberg wrote about it in the bog and people started getting irate because they were saying hey what a great deal I had Six dollar SRO tickets, yeah. and I was sitting in a hundred and fifty dollar right. a seat club levels yeah. that people have been sued by the team to avoid getting out of them prematurely. Yeah. I was not t- a
3: good look. I was told ten years ago by Harry Criswell, Criswell Motors. You've seen all yes. the dealerships yes. all over the place. I actually played uh, youth league baseball with him. He's a very good athlete, and uh, he told me that for all the dealerships, they used to buy twelve pairs of season tickets. And he said, we no longer buy those, not because we can't afford them, because we can't give them, give them away. away. Yeah. Exactly. And so that's, a, that's, that's an example of a big business in D.C.
0: It's the Pete Axtel smash windshield game. Yeah. You leave uh, four tickets to the game on your windshield, right. and somebody smashes it and leaves four more. Right. Now, so that was the joke. So Dave McKenna, yeah, who who is the guy that wrote the article that Drew the wrath yeah. and the lawyers of Dan Snyder. He got sued. Although didn't they eventually drop? The yeah, they suit? Dro- Well, they,
3: they dropped it and and Snyder. City said, papers.
0: Dan Dave McDave the city paper, wrote the haters' guide, the cranky Redskins guide to Dan Snyder. Or well, something he, like
3: that. He, what he did is he drew devil's horns on Snyder's goatee, picture. Yeah, and Snyder which is said deemed as anti-Semitic. Anti-Semitic. Yes, and so Sammy, it was, is it? No. Okay, and not not in that particular case because he was referring to him as the, the devil. devil. Yeah, and so he sued him, and then he dropped the suit and said I think Snyder said he was talked into it by Wiley, the PR guy uh, which Tony was, Wiley Tony Wiley which may or may not have been true I don't know but,
0: but. it did I'm sure put Dave McKenna through a lot of stress in the mm. city paper financially yeah. they had to rally forces and say okay yeah. I guess we gotta get lawyers to defend this yeah,
3: but he had no okay. case
0: so anyway Dave McKenna does file pieces on certain things Redskin Akana and for Deadspin this this piece under the sad history of the skin's bogus season ticket waiting list is an absolute treasure trove even for people like me Andy who thought I knew most of the history of the mythical season ticket list. It started with Robin Ficker, Mm -hmm. the very guy that Mm -hmm. used to heckle players behind the Bullets bench at Landover, suing because he didn't think he was moving up the list fast enough.
3: Right. Now, he's, he's also got some history about that time, or maybe a little bit earlier, which is very important for the entire NFL. Ficker is the one who went to court to try and get an injunction which would have allowed the Redskin playoff game against the Packers, which was a home game in nineteen seventy two. To be on television televised locally. And there was a blackout rule in those days. Even all those sold out. Oh yeah, all yeah. home games were not and, and that's what really got the ball moving so that by seventy three we had the blackout rule, the seventy two hour advance deal, right, if you right, sold out right, seventy two, right. the game would not be blacked out. So yes, and then he did he's he's a, he's a guy once described by Tony Kornheiser as a pimple on the backside of America. And, <laughs> and and he he manages to get himself in these situations where he's he, he bothers people. And so yes, he he's the one that got this started. Yeah, he, he so that was the start of it. Mm-hmm. Then when they moved to FedEx field, a lot of
0: people came flooding in. A lot of people bought tickets yeah. because suddenly they could buy tickets. FedEx Field opened in 1997. Seven. Mm-hmm. And the last Super Bowl
3: was 91/92. Right. But here's here's what they did. And, and McKenna uses a really good analogy there about Studio 54, yes. where if you have a line, whether your place is crowded or not, people think you're popular. Yeah. And so I remember when FedEx Field opened, and there were stories of, yeah, it's got a lot more seats, but that doesn't mean too many people are going to move off the waiting list. The reason they did that is they wanted to sell those ridiculously expensive club seats. To people not on the waiting list Yes, that were gonna come swooping in. And those tickets were very, very expensive. I'm saying maybe at a time when tickets were about seventy five to eighty dollars, those were over two hundred dollars a ticket. And they signed you up for ten year plans. Remember that? The ten year contract?
0: Oh yeah. Yeah.
3: And they said, Well look, it's not gonna go up. You got cost containment. You're gonna be and everybody looked at it in the same way they looked at rfk stadium which was it was a very popular ticket very hard to get and wow i can be you know a 10 year plan i've got kids i've never been able to take them to the game yeah it's 200 dollars a ticket but it's the redskins right and the redskins this is 1997 they're only five years removed from winning a super bowl and they were starting to show signs of improvement under Norv Turner. Yeah. So you're thinking, okay, we're going to have a great team. We're going to have these great seats, and it's going to be just like the good old days at RFK. And few few people at the time knew what a soulless piece of shit FedEx Field was. Yeah, but uh, to be fair to Snyder, he
0: hadn't built it and he didn't own the team yet. I agreed that yeah. was Jack Kent Cook's folly, yeah. but still, that's what it was. By the way, McKenna writes the Studio 54 principle was that. No matter what, Studio 54 back in the day would have bouncers maintain a line outside yep. the door of folks waiting to get in so that all the passers-by could see. Right. The skin similarly lied about the list for years, hoping the illusion of demand would create real demand. Right. So here, here's how crazy it was at one point uh, during the early run of Snyder's ownership. This was 99-2000. He would charge fans $1,750 to sign up uh, for this... Premium seat plan. Mm-hmm. And what that would get you, plus $540 ahead, it got you admission to pregame buffets, hot dogs, burgers, as well as the right to get ahead of everybody on the fictional waiting list <laughs> to buy season tickets immediately. These so called dream seats only existed because of that illusion of demand. He installed a few rows of field level seats immediately after buying the team. And they are the worst seats you could possibly watch a football game because you're seeing the asses in the backs of players. Yes, well, th- this is... I sat in one of those seats with a doctor friend of mine who
3: bought them. Oh, were they good or no? No, yeah. it sucked. Well, that's but what it's it- like, well, all the free food. And right. there's a waiter that'll right. come and give you a hamburger. This is why coaches always say, I have to see the film. You can't see the damn game from down on the sidelines. Right.
0: Right, but, you, but this was at the heyday. This was when he was jamming seats under yeah. the overhangs that had obstructed views, both vertically for punts and high passes, and pillars in between the action, which he mounted these crude square tube TVs yeah. up on the pillars. Yeah, yeah. Remember those oh, days? Yeah, oh, yeah, 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 So, for a while, Andy and I knew... This didn't smell right. We're talking early 2000s. We're doing the sports reporters together, and we're talking about, man, they've got to get it going here because fans are restless. This is not going to
3: last forever. And we openly speculated about home blackouts. You said blackouts. I didn't believe it. But uh, as time went on, I became more and more More of a convert. You're like, fuck, yeah, we're not going to sell this shit out. And I think the NFL did away with blackouts just in time. Yes. Because another couple of years, and boy, you talk about uproar here if the Redskins aren't on TV. I'd have to go trace when the NFL realized we
0: have to get rid of the blackout rule. I think there were seven or eight blackouts around the league. I think Oakland had some, Jacksonville had
3: some. Jacksonville was playing in England whenever they could. They were were calling, can we go play? I think
0: this is even before then. I think the NFL realized we had seven blackouts that we couldn't avoid this year. We'll have 14 next year. We'll have 28 the year after that. It's a bad look for us. We just need to quietly
3: drop that rule. and, and Which they did. They didn't make a big proclamation of it. Because they quietly it, dropped it. As a revenue stream, it was relatively minor compared to television. Right. So, you know. Funny how the league's bread and butter flipped, where in 1972,
0: your lifetime, Andy, mm-hmm. they blacked out a playoff game. At home in the nation's capital, because them. it was sold
3: out. Oh, too bad you can't see yeah. the game. You should have bought a ticket. The NFC Championship game. Now, thank God, my father installed a great antenna on our house at eighty-eight hundred nine Walnut Hill Road, where I could watch the Baltimore <laughs> Snowy Channel for the NFC Championship game. Otherwise, you, I couldn't see it. You watched the championship game through AFC or through Snow. Yeah, cause through it, television snow we had a good antenna but it was channel two in baltimore you used to drive up to pennsylvania occasionally you, to watch occasionally it? but but okay. generally the way i would see on home games monday nights on channel 20 uh steve Go martin would show the coaches film it was in black and white and that's how you saw the highlights of home games wow yeah. okay so
0: we we, we trundle through the mid 2000s mm-hmm. and i don't recall a lot of
3: great redskin teams or seasons during that time Andrew. No, but do you remember this we had on at the suggestion of the executive who slit his own throat with something called the man cave later on uh, said, Oh, we need to have somebody who's in charge of the solar panels at uh, FedEx field. And they're going to put solar panels over some of the parking lot so that they can get, uh, you know, power out of that. Great. So we have him on. He tells us about the solar panels. That's fantastic. Now, what about these uh, party, party decks? decks. Yeah, In oh. the upper deck
0: of FedEx Field. And what did he say to us? Well, he said, "Well, you know, we're we're gonna ma- build those because those are tickets that are not able to be sold." Whoa! We we Andy and I jumped on that like two Labradors on a red on a piece of red meat, and we're like, "What? Whoa! What about the waiting list?" Yeah. So it wasn't long after that interview that the same guy that you mentioned, whose name we won't mention, but it rhymes with uh, Truck Mappy Flenza.
3: Yeah, and his his
0: superior, who also lost his job in that debacle. They were like, oh my God, why did you guys ask about that? (laughs) Yeah. And we're like, I don't know, we were doing an interview. Yeah, We, 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 we
3: ask questions when there's interviews. We, we asked about the solar panels. He explained yeah. the solar panels. That took three minutes. We budgeted 10 to 15. We thought we'd ask another question. We're like, hey, you fucking forced this guy on us. Yeah. You didn't like how it went? Now, in
0: in fairness to uh, to Truck, he was forced to do this. I understand. By, he,
3: this was his marching orders from the people out at Redskin Park. That's fine. But then do a do a PSA, do a commercial. Hey, we we have, but but you you did it interview style, yeah. and you didn't put any parameters on it, and you're talking to the guy who's in charge. I think it's that was his job. He was in charge of seating or something, yeah. something of that. And so yeah, it was we asked like to, the stadium management. Yeah.
0: So so that was that began the great disfiguring surgery of FedEx Field, yeah. where not only did they put in quote party decks, which were, the, the, I mean, they are the worst things ever. They're just plywood. Waist high counters. It's just something to sell fifteen dollars for beers. standing room only. Yeah. Where if it's not freezing cold or blaring hot, you can yeah. stand out there and watch the game. And then while they did that, they carved out huge chunks of seats in oh, the yeah. upper deck because yeah.
3: not only with the blackout rules eased or lifted, they still needed to reduce yeah. capacity. Well, they got it. Now it opened at seventy eight thousand in ninety seven. And Which, Snyder ramped it all the way up to 92? 93, and I think he did it during the Gibbs years. The, oh, the, yeah. The Gibbs years were, were good days. People wanted to go watch Joe Gibbs football. Mm-hmm. So they got it up there. Then they reduced it some, but the momentum swung back up with RG3. Do you remember the year that, that the guy you just mentioned 2012? came? Or no, he, yeah, his rookie year was 2012, yes. so it must have been 2013 off of that. Yeah. Uh, where the guy you just mentioned came to us, and he said, uh, yeah, I know people have been getting comp tickets here at the station for a while, but we don't have any to give you this year. Really? Yeah. And then, <laughs> and then,
0: then... One decent year with RG3, yeah. and it's like, no, we got no tickets.
3: And then by the middle oh, of that year, true, yeah. which was a crap all year, oh year, uh, we were giving away tickets on the air, win Redskin we, tickets. We couldn't give the tickets away with free pardons. Yeah.
0: <laughs> So so the season ticket list still got talked about. Oh, yeah. It was still reported on by the media, yeah. by beat writers. The Redskins would put in their release every game for the sixty-sixth year right. in a row, a sellout at FedEx Field or whatever the number yeah. was. Right. And it was all just bullshine. So now that we're here, why do you think the team
3: decided to drop the pretense of a waiting list? Because they gotta sell tickets. I think the guy looked at how many people were actually buying tickets, and he said, we have to sell tickets. So you'd think that there's a number of people that were, were want
0: to buy redskin tickets, but think there's a waiting yes. list, and then therefore said, let's not bother. Yeah,
3: there, there was that perception. About really? you yep. still
0: still thinking, this day and age, where the internet knows all, I know. you can Google search stuff, and people talk to each other. Who could be dumb enough to think, boy? I'd really like Redskins tickets, but there's a waiting list. Well, I
3: hear. You know, it's 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 people who who grew up in knowing people where the tickets were debated in divorce settlements yes. and wills, and and it's just you know you just oh Redskins sold out, and that's and they keep telling you they're sold out. So now they're finally saying, oh no no, we're not really sold out. You want to buy tickets? You know, my father he he's going to be ninety. A couple of years ago, he said he got a call from somebody at Redskins Park that he could buy season tickets. And I said, Did you put your name on a waiting list? He says, No. So they probably just got it off some kind of credit card voucher or something. And I said, Dad, do you want to go to games? I'll get tickets. I have friends who have tickets. If I ask for two, they say, Would you like six? And so so I you know, I told them not to buy it. But but here they are reaching out to people who aren't even on the list
0: trying yeah. to buy tickets. McKenna writes the team's miseries only spiraled in recent years after 2008, but the organization stuck to their crazy number. Even as the sales tactics got more and more desperate, a direct mail campaign from April of '09 told Target customers there were, quote, over 200,000 fans on the wait list behind you. Yeah. By the end of that year, Snyder was offering Christmas gift packages that included standard tickets to the Cowboys game, a tacit admission that those seats haven't ever been sold. God. There were other clear signs of trouble in Skins ticket land. Several of the team's season ticket sellers sued Snyder for 185 grand in back overtime pay. Gee, if the lines to buy Skins tickets were indeed as long and as organized as the team constantly claimed, why would they even need a large ticket-selling <laughs> staff, let alone one that was working tons of overtime? Yeah, The Skins were eventually ordered to, by an arbitrator
3: to pay off the plaintiffs. Yeah. Well, do you remember the woman that they sued... Who didn't pay her club seats off? She was. She was a, a widower. I think a grandmother. Grandmother okay. widower. Yeah. Oh, shut up, phone. Sorry. going to get that. Yeah, no, I'm just
0: gonna turn okay. that off. Okay. Uh. So yeah. So she was a widower. And she was obviously living on a tight budget, and decided she could. And she had all these Redskins chash. Yes,
3: she loved you know, the team.
0: She she had the little collectibles yeah. and afghans and photos, right. and of course the story got to the Post. Oh yeah! And once that happened, the Redskins took a big fat L because that money from that sweet old lady was not fucking worth the forever stain of oh really. Mm -hmm. That's what you do as a team. You sue grandmothers over their season tickets. Mm -hmm. It's just so weird that there's nobody in that building that can say, no, no, no. This is not the way to do business. Well, that's what this
3: guy is. This is this new guy who came in. But he doesn't know the way business is operated here. Well, Well, it's 2018. We're we're coming up
0: on the 20th anniversary of Snyder buying the team.
3: I know which would be nineteen ninety nine. Yeah,
0: not August. When did he? When did it close. May May of ninety nine. Mm-hmm. I did so, the first
3: interview with him. I think.
0: How many times you ever talked to him?
3: Uh, yeah. On the air, on the air, four or five, okay. and uh, in in uh, social situations. I don't four. recall interviewing him. Uh, you did, did I once. sit with you, you once? Once, yes. Where was it? Was it in the old building? I think it was. It may have been in Silver Spring. It could have been in Rockville. And uh, and then while we were in a commercial, Bennett Zier came over to slurp him for a while. And, uh, and, <laughs> and that was that. That was it. But there was there one. There was the one interview that you were not a part of, and, and uh, I
0: blamed you for setting up as an end run. Yeah. like oh, Zabel will be on vacation. Good time to come no, in we, now.
3: Well, we had it. We had a standing offer whenever we wanted to do it. And we did it at the Redskins store. That's right. And, and it was me and Larry Weissman. And yeah. and uh, and <laughs> before we started, Snyder said. Man, Zabin has been killing us. And I said, Which "You said." And I said, "What did he say?" And he didn't have any answer to that. Because right. Carl Swanson was filling him full of crap about you know all these terrible things that you'd said.
0: It was just other people saying, "Like, yeah, yeah that Zabe Zab guy doesn't yeah, like yeah. it." Yeah.
3: So that was that was.
0: I have not cracked on Snyder in a long time because he hasn't done anything insanely stupid for a while. He's been lo- losing earnestly for a while now. But he's been doing things that, you know, Bruce Allen has got to go. Yeah. There's no question about that. And, you know, the way they treated McLuhan was a complete joke. They bring in a guy that's a known drunk in a culture that is full of drinking, mm-hmm. and then they're shocked that he still drinks. Although, And then they handled it poorly on the way out, even if they were right, even if McLuhan was not functional, which I think
3: is probably the case. They didn't handle it right. Well, I, I was told by people who... We're in the know that he, yes, he was drinking, but it was not, it, it was, it was not, not dysfunctional. It did not. I mean, that there he was a functioning drunk. There may have been, yeah. And, yeah there, okay. and there are people like that. Plus, you know, now Cleveland didn't keep him, but they hired him as a consultant. Yeah. Um, I don't know. I mean, but, but the quote that was given to the paper by somebody inside the organization was disgusting. Yeah. It really was. And so, yeah, they, they, so they, that was,
0: so that was it. That, but uh, back to the season tickets. So do you know anyone that has Redskins season tickets?
3: Most people I know have said to me over the course of the last few years, yeah, I used to have them, but I gave them up. And what's become more popular is to own, well now, especially off the Stanley Cup, Capitals season tickets, if you can get them, those are not that easy to get, and Nationals and people, because here's the thing about the redskin season tickets. <laughs> it used to be if you wanted to go to the Dallas game, you would buy redskin season tickets and you would sell off your others. Now you want to go to the Dallas game, you go, well, where would I like to sit? And you. Can, yeah, it's too easy to get to any game. The secondary yeah, market, yeah.
0: StubHub, SeatGeek, all these right. other resellers. Right. It, it has really fucked up the entire revenue model of professional sports teams big time. And the Redskins are not alone, lest anyone think we're yeah. just taking shots at them. But Every uh, team is going to have to grapple with this save for Green Bay, Wisconsin. Yeah, That's about the right. only place. But,
3: but you were among the first I heard say this, too. Once the HDTV came along, <laughs> it, and even the league has admitted this, right. that the home experience is better. It's better. But guess what? They
0: still, the NFL, doesn't understand why the home experience is better.
3: Well, and think... here's
0: why. Because when you're in the stadium and they're showing you stuff on the Jumbotron, are they showing you the network feed?
3: Mm-hmm. No, I don't think so.
0: Right. Yeah. Why wouldn't they?
3: Well, uh, It's the best Feed the networks, Andy.
0: Have 22 cameras, they have super slow mo cameras, they have experienced directors that know how to call up what shots when, etc. They have announcers that can give you context as to what's going on in the game and analysis they should throw more or run more or whatever. They don't give you that. Stadiums and teams still rely on in house video guys to run the feed of a handful of cameras instead of what you would get at home. If the NFL wants you to have the home experience at the stadium, then show the game like it would be at home. Yeah,
3: and also what has helped to cannibalize the product, too, while it's made it more popular with fantasy football, more and more people are interested in their fantasy teams, and they want to keep up with what they're doing in the other games in addition to the Redskins game. So if you're at home, you got your iPad or your your laptop out or you're flipping over during the commercials to the Red Zone channel, you can't do any of that when you're in the stadium. Here's what I would do if I was an NFL owner. I would have a stadium that has two Jumbotrons.
0: One Jumbotron has the network feed of the game, and they take that network feed, Andy, right out of the truck in the parking lot so that its delay is less than a second Mm -hmm. from the action on the field. That's very important. You can't then repull the network feed after it goes up to the satellite and everything else. It'll be five, six, seven, eight, nine seconds delayed. Tell the truck, give me one wire, I'm going to plug it right into my Jumbotron, and we're going to play it on TV, and I'm going to turn the sound up in the stadium as the game is going on. Or I'm going to say to people, if you want to listen to the TV feed of Chris Collinsworth, Al Michaels, etc., here's a special radio that gets the feed, or here's a frequency that you can bring your own Walkman and listen to the feed. Now, Andy, you're in the stadium and you're watching the television product on the Jumbotron with no delay. Now we're cooking. On the second Jumbotron, which is the equal size on the other end of the stadium, Mm -hmm. I'm running something called the Fantasy Channel. It is all Fantasy, or maybe the Red Zone Channel. So when I go and buy a ticket to a game, I see the network feed that I would get at home Mm -hmm. on a Jumbotron with the audio at all times. Not interrupted by, there's a giveaway for a free (laughs) pack. Third
3: down! Make some noise! No,
0: bullshit. That game is on the whole fucking time. Uh, Except for commercials. I guess you can slot your own commercials in. And on the other one, it's all fantasy. So you are not missing out on any fantasy. There's so much downtime at a a stadium with a game in front of your face. Wouldn't you love to look up at the one yeah. jumbotron and go, "Oh, sweet! Looks like, uh, yeah. you know, uh, my guy just scored."
3: Well, that may be coming, and and that it can't come soon enough. Well, here's if what, you want to keep selling tickets, yeah. you better step it the fuck up. Or I or I'd think about selling my team right now. Because now? yeah, before the concussion shit gets uh, out of you, hand, you, the latest this Washington State quarterback who'd only been starting a handful of games committed suicide, and they found CTE
0: allegedly found cte well
3: you know what is cte how do
0: you get cte what else causes cte how many concussions did he have i
3: I don't know but here here's something else that i I don't want to drive us too far off the highway here (laughs) but we just had we're almost done anyway we just had four referees retire now, three of them landed television gigs, which were they, you know, 2nd guess the officials on the field. But it could be, you know, with these new rules that are coming, we're targeting with the head and so forth. Maybe they're saying, let's get out of this thing before it really becomes a ponderous mess. I would say you'd be onto something there, but I really think it's the fact the NFL is moving to
0: full-time refs. It could be. And so guys like Steratore... Who does college basketball said this is a good time to get out. Yeah, maybe. Plus, he got a sweet deal being a TV guy mm-hmm. for college for college basketball and for the NFL. So CBS is going to yeah. use him on both, which is kind of cool. Yeah, uh, he was easily one of the best, along with Hockley. Hockeyle going back to being a lawyer and lifting because that's what he does. Yeah. McCauley um, is pretty good, but he's one great. But you're right. There's and a lot. Triplett, who was an out. idiot, I know, and he's on ESPN. Yeah, yeah. go figure. Yeah. Okay, so. I guess to wrap this up then, long live the season ticket waiting list. The season ticket waiting list is dead.
3: It was le- it was legit at RFK. And I can remember going to games there, announced no shows, three shut I'm telling three. You. Yeah, the place. That's was, bullshit. Much, damn Out of fifty-five thousand, I don't know. You
0: look, you look, three people got stuck in traffic and couldn't go to whatever the game. it was. I, I you <laughs> look, you, you
3: look. I remember looking around. Announced the No shows, three. I, I remember looking around the stadium. You couldn't find an empty seat. <laughs> and now you go to a game at FedEx and you go, Jesus, look at that upper deck. It's the middle of the second quarter. Nobody's here. When you go and you see that disfigured upper deck, how does it make you feel? Sick. But I only go to one game a year. I don't no. even like to go anymore.
0: It's not a great experience. No, I,
3: I love be, I love watching at home.
0: It's not a great experience. They've got to get it right on this new stadium and they got to get the location right. they got to get the design right. They got to get the size right.
3: I wonder if it even makes sense now to just build a stadium that holds like thirty thousand. I agree. And and charge people a lot of money and make it just like I... just like you talked about with all the amenities and mm-hmm. the scoreboard and everything. Mm-hmm. Because catering to the masses for ninety dollars or hundred dollars a ticket doesn't seem to be a good business model with the way the NFL has evolved. Retractable roof, forty
0: two thousand seat sports theater. Yeah, that's what I would call it. It's a 42,000 seat sports theater, smaller than a football stadium, larger than a basketball or hockey arena of 22,000. Right. You retractable roof it, so you can have some outdoor elements when you mm-hmm. need fit. Concerts are in that thing all the time. Right. It is the most technologically tricked out building you've ever seen with more displays, more amenities than you can imagine. There's a premium to get into the games, and you create a way in which you give people the right to move up
3: to better seats based on literally how many games have you been to. <laughs> you know what model that is? That's that's an interesting model. You know, it It can be done. Well, when Maryland was in the biometric scanners, fingerprint, eyeball scanners, (laughs) so that
0: you check your eyeballs in at a kiosk at each game to go. I've been to 106 straight Redskin games. I started in the upper deck. I'm now down at the 50.
3: That's an interesting because at Maryland, I don't know if they still do this, but when they're in the ACC, in order to get Duke tickets, the students would have to attend X number of other games, and a lot of them were just going through, getting their thing stamped, and leaving. Right,
0: and what this does, Andy, is it rewards your most loyal customers, and it prevents people like, well, there's a lot of Cowboy fans that would do that. No, no, no. A Cowboy fan is not going to go to seven non-Cowboy games just to improve his standing. Right. Like, if you are literally at the game, Mm -hmm. and you check in with your eyeball or your fingerprint, you are a fan of the Redskins. Oh, yeah. You're there physically, and I would reward those people.
3: Interesting. Interesting.
0: A thought for another podcast. Yeah, that was fun. Andy, long live the waiting list. It's dead. Go yeah. get your Redskins tickets now. We're going to have a monster year, I think. <laughs> Alex Smith. Yeah. Uh, is, how long till football? It's June 28th. We're less than a month away from training camp. Oh, my God. <laughs> Here we go. Here we go. All right, Andy. We'll see you next time. All right. All right. We'll end with this today. You know Drone News and me. Thank you, people, for sending me all drone-related stories, videos, anecdotes, you name it. Headline, the U.S. has an anti-drone gun that shoots drones at other drones. What the hell did you just say? You heard me. We've got a drone that shoots drones to knock out other drones. (laughs) Awesome. (laughs) This comes after attacks using consumer drones are on the rise. In 2017, ISIS... In Mosul, attacked U.S.-backed Iraqi troops with a dozen consumer drones fitted with grenades. Earlier this year, a, sw- a swarm of small drones attacked a Russian airbase in Syria. Such attacks are difficult to counter with existing weapons. This, their size makes them difficult targets, and the lack of heat and radar signature on them also makes them hard to shoot out of the air. So, we're developing a drone that will then fly, a large drone that will fly and burp out, blurt out a bunch of smaller drones that go and attack. and <laughs> It's pretty cool. I mean, it's cool, but it's also kind of scary. That Russian attack in Syria, uh, according to the Russian Ministry of Defense, for what it's worth if you believe them, said a swarm of small drones were used, about 13 of them. None did significant damage. Seven were destroyed by anti-aircraft defenses, and the others were brought down using small-arms fire. They're working on ways to jam the electronics of these small consumer drones. They're working on um, other sort of defense mechanisms, like, I think, heat rays? Is that possible? Uh, Sonic guns that can mess their rotors up. Hell, a strong fan (laughs) might do the trick if you can direct enough air that direction, but still, this dance is going to go on and on as these things get more and more sophisticated. And yes, it's going to start at some point, if we all live long enough, the world will look like the movie Minority Report, where the drones will swarm, they'll be tiny, they'll be able to walk, they'll be able to crawl inside of cracks, they'll have little eyeballs that can look for you, and we'll all be hiding underneath the water in our bathtub. Uh, And gouging out our own eyeballs to avoid detection. Someday. Someday we can all dream, right? All right, that'll do it for us today. Thank you for listening. You know the drill. Tell two friends and hit up whatever message boards you want to talk about this. I'd love it. Download, subscribe at all the major podcast outlets and tell as many people as you know. Remember, humature and heat index are all just bullshit terms that the giant weather forecaster industrial complex has invented to try to get us all riled up. It's going to be hot as shit this weekend here in D.C. It'll be hot as shit for 10 days, they say. Guess what? It's summer. Wear light clothing. Get your sunscreen on. Go out and enjoy the hot summer months. Thanks for listening, and we will see you next time.